is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Happy December. It's your radio sisters, Rachel here with Bo and Allie, and you know what time it is. Oh, yeah. It's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Yeah. <laughs> your sister squad is ready to take you on a journey today. That's right, Allie. We're kicking off your creative inspiration this week in style. And boy, have we got a unique show for you today. Yes, we don't do this very often, but today's show you will hear from just one guest. We're not going to make you wait any longer to know who it is. Girls, let's start the show. Here we go. The Mulberry Lane shows on Celebrity story songs You're gonna have it going on When we tell you who's stopping by now Our featured guest on the show today Is a guy who has written so many of your favorite songs Hit songwriter Desmond Child And if you don't know who Desmond Child is You definitely know the songs he's either written or co-written Here's a few of them right now That is just a short list of the mega hits that Desmond has written. So often on the Mulberry Lane Show, we love to bring you an in-depth interview when we really get into the heart and soul of who the artist is, and today is one of those interviews. Today, you're going to hang out with Desmond and get some awesome behind-the-scenes music stories about his time working with John Bon Jovi of Bon Jovi, Steven Tyler of Aerosmith, and Barbra Streisand. Now, this is a first-hand account of his experiences with these artists, and you guys are going to get the full scoop of what it's like to be a songwriter at the top of his craft in the music industry. We can't wait for you to hear this interview, but before we start, we need you to mark your calendar. Monday night, December 24th, your Mulberry Lane sisters are giving an acapella concert, the one that we give every year. It's our family tradition at Omaha's downtown church, St. Mary Magdalene, 19th and Dodge. Christmas Eve, 11 p.m. We sing a cappella all the way to midnight. That's when Midnight Mass starts. You're welcome to stay for the a cappella concert. It's open to all denominations. And it's free. So you're going to hear your Christmas favorites, our harmony favorites. Come down, spend an hour with us, be a part of the family. That's right. Your personal invitation right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Okay, when we come back, you are hanging out with one of the top songwriters in the music industry ever, Desmond Child, up next, right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. I got all my sisters with me. 
best celebrities on your radio station. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, songwriter, Hall of Fame member, and legendary songwriter Desmond Child has written some of the biggest hits of the last 30 years. Songs that probably make up the soundtrack of your life, including Dude Looks Like a Lady with Aerosmith, hits with Bon Jovi, including Living on a Prayer and You Give Love a Bad Name, Ricky Martin's Living La Vida Loca, and Joan Jett's I Hate Myself for Loving You and tons of others, over 500 million records sold. We are thrilled that he's here to chat songwriting, the music business, and his latest projects. Desmond Child here on our show. Music magic hits, get ready, here we go. Hey, how you guys doing this morning? Good, great to have you. Yes, so we've got a lot to get into, including your latest projects, but first... You started out as a performer yourself, writing your own songs, and then you ended up writing songs with other people and for other people. So at what point did you feel like a true songwriter, when it became a craft for you? Well, you know, my mother was a songwriter, so I grew up at her feet listening to her writing songs. I didn't know people didn't write songs. Okay. (laughs) So if I sensed her mood was happy, she'd write a happy song. If she felt sad, she'd write a sad song. So it was just a natural expression of emotion every day from day to day until I realized, well, I guess not everybody writes songs. Okay. So it was just almost second nature for you. That's it. It wasn't one of those things where I transitioned into a professional songwriter until, I guess... When I got a record deal (laughs) with my group Desmond Child and Rouge, and that was in 1978, and we made two albums, and so we're coming up on our 40th anniversary in 2019. So we're very excited about that because we're going to have our albums re-released by BMG. Great. They're remastered, and we're also making new music now. Okay. So now let's talk about some of these amazing hits. Let's take the song, Dude Looks Like a Lady. Could anyone else have done that song but Steven Tyler? Well, I'm just hoping somebody else does it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the first song I wrote with Aerosmith. Uh-huh. I was brought in, kind of forced in by their A&R guy, John Claudner. And I went to Boston, and they were in a big, uh, it looked like a movie set, a big warehouse on the floor where rows and rows and rows, like a hundred different guitars on one side and big amps on stage and the the microphone had all the scars on it. And I walked in and Stephen came up to me and said, hey, it's good to meet you. Why don't you come over here? We're working on something. And they started playing, you know, this backwards guitar loop that was going da-da and da-da. And then Stephen started singing, cruising for the ladies, da-da and da-da. And I just looked at them and I said, that's really bad. Uh-huh. And it was like the first thing out of my mouth. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I said, I don't think Van Halen would put that on the last track of the album of the worst enemy. Uh-huh. And, you know, trying to be a little bit funny, but they weren't laughing. Okay. And so then uh, Stephen, who's like kind of like a people pleaser, he said, well, when I first started writing the song, I was singing, Dude Looks Like a Lady. Oh. I said, what? And he said, well, I came up with that because I went to a bar with a bunch of my crew guys, and at the end of the bar with this gorgeous 
blonde with this teased up mullet and all this beautiful curvy body and black nails and all of a sudden she turns around and it's Vince Neil from Motley Crue and he said oh my god dude looks like a lady that dude looks like a lady and so that's where he started with dude looks like a lady gotcha wow and you were like that's a lot better is that what you said yeah I jumped on it and Joe said I I don't know what that means what does that mean dude looks like a lady I said well I know what that means and so I talked them into the storyline Love these stories. If you're just joining us, you're listening to mega amazing songwriter Desmond Child here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So do you find that either you or people that you co-write with, do you find that their first ideas are actually better than if they overthink it? You see, most of the time we're collaborating from scratch. Uh You know, I'll go into a situation cold. They may or may not have any ideas. And then we just throw everything on the table. The idea that has energy will surface pretty fast. Okay. And so then we just follow the scent of that until it turns great. Okay. And then typically for you, when you are in a session, can you tell if it's going somewhere great or can you tell, okay, this is just a dud? (laughs) I was getting together with a friend of mine who's a songwriter, a great producer, a legend in his own right. KC, you know, Harry KC of KC and the Sunshine okay. Band. Right. I always are saying, when are we going to get together and write? This is crazy. You know, we've known each other for decades, right? Okay. So a few months ago, I said, okay, we're going to write. So I went to Miami Beach, and we sat, and we listened to his new music, which is wonderful. So I said, okay, so what are we going to write? And then we started talking about other stuff, and then sort of put out something, and he said, well, I don't know about that, and this and that and the other thing, and I said, you know what? I'm hungry. Let's go get dinner and go to the movies. Yeah. So <laughs> we never did write the song. Just... We were too busy talking and gossiping and having mm-hmm. fun. Right. You know, so sometimes it's meant to be, or it isn't meant to be. Right. But most of the time, you can count on me to deliver something that's going to work. Well, you said you follow the energy, and the energy of that was, let's just visit and have a good time. Right, because that's been our relationship. Yeah. So. <laughs> now, do you ever work with someone and you throw out ideas and it's like, oh, that's not good enough. And, you know, there kind of comes more of a negative energy or criticisms or judgments. Talk a little bit about if you've experienced that and what that does to the creative process. Well, there have been very few, like, negative incidents. But I'll tell you a funny one. I, I went to a songwriting camp in France and I went there to meet Eric Bazilian who had written a song called What If God Was One of Us. Okay, he's lead, sure. He's the lead singer of the Hooters. And so I had always loved their music. So I went there specifically to write with him. But in that particular case, you always have to have a third writer. So they put us with Alana Miles, who had done, you know, Black Velvet, yep. right? Uh-huh. She's a very beautiful girl, black hair, you know, dark red lips. He had set up in a turret in this castle, this round turret with this little creaky wooden door. And so I show up and then she shows up and she has this long cape, very medieval. It kind of looked like Snow White. Okay. uh, I love the visual. She starts telling us about, you know, what she's looking for and who she is. And, uh, you know, she says, 
black velvet this and black velvet that. And, you know, I'm looking at her and she says, well, you know, in black velvet, I sang this and all that. And, it, you know, it had been a few years since she had had that hit. Uh-huh. And I suddenly said, stop. Please don't say the words black velvet anymore. Uh-huh. And she looked at me like, you what? I said, you're like lost in a hall of mirrors. All you can see is yourself in that video. You can't go anywhere new if you keep talking about black velvet. And she reared back and she said, you don't know me. Mm -hmm. You don't know my fans. And so she just got up and ran out and it was raining outside. And so we kind of like poked our heads out and looked and all you could see was like the back of her long cape kind of like, it looked like she was gliding away like like a vampire. At that time, I had another artist named Billy Myers in England, Uh and I desperately needed a hit song for her. And I had this title in my back pocket, Kiss the Rain, and it was Uh raining. So I said, okay, forget about that. Eric, let's write this song, Kiss the Rain. And he just like came up with this great riff and all this kind of stuff. And we pretty much got the verse and the chorus and everything. I said, okay, let's not write it anymore. Let's go to London next week and finish the song with Billy. He said, really? I said, we're going. Wow. I mean, I just met the guy. He said, okay. okay. And wow. so all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. And so we open the door, and it's um, Alana, okay. you know. And so she says, I'm ready to work. <sighs> she was very, like, shut off. I came up with this title called I'm Bad For You, okay. and that's good. Kind of it was like in the moment, it's so like she thinks I'm bad for her, but I'm actually going to be good for her. Right. And so we wrote this kind of rollicking Bonnie Rayet meets Bonnie Tyler, you know, I'm bad for you, and that's good. You know, actually she had a hit with it in uh-huh. Canada. Uh-huh. Again, it, you followed the energy and the truth of the situation. Right. You know, I don't know where I get the courage. You know, later on, I go, did I really do that? Did I really say that? Gotta take a quick break. We'll be back with more from legendary songwriter Desmond Child right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. behind the songs back to the mulberry lane show now here's mulberry lane thanks for keeping it here with your radio sisters on the mulberry lane show the one and only guest on today's show singer songwriter desmond child you know him from his hits he's either written or co-written well let's get back with desmond child talking all things music and life can you speak a little bit to the writing of living on a prayer with bon jovi we wrote was You Give Love a Bad Name. Again, that was a title I had in my back pocket, uh-huh. and I showed up to the session in this little uh, wooden house in New Jersey on the last little house on the edge of like a huge brown marshland, and then at the very end of it was an oil refinery. It looked like Emerald City. Uh-huh. must have been the most toxic place to live ever, and that was Richie Sambora's family home okay and so i walked in and you know i walked past his bedroom that was off the kitchen and i saw the 
Farrah Fawcett poster and the Kiss posters, and it looked like a, a teenager's room. And John was, uh, you know, with his big hair and the, the jeans with the ripped knees and everything um, uh, on the phone, like standing at the avocado green wall phone in the kitchen. Richie saw me downstairs to this kind of damp, kind of icky basement where they had kind of a setup with the amps and a little keyboard on an old Formica table. Then finally John came down and I pulled out the title and he loved it and there was instant chemistry between the three of us. A few weeks later we were in New York City and we wrote Living on a Prayer at uh, somebody's borrowed apartment. Friend of mine, big old brown upright piano and Richie and John were on guitars. And we started writing a story song uh-huh. about Tommy and Gina. Uh-huh. And so for me, I brought my story to the table. I think, you know, John brought his and Richie brought his. And in my case, before I realized I was more gay than I was bi, <laughs> I had a girlfriend. It was, was part Maria of your Vidal. original group. Yeah, Maria Vidal from Desmond Chauvin Rouge. Uh-huh. And we were together for four years, you know, during the time that we were in college at NYU and performing in our group on the weekends. And at a certain point, you know, she was working in a restaurant called Once Upon a Stove, and the waiters and waitresses would sing. So everyone went by kind of made-up names. So her name was Gina Velvet. Okay. And that's where Gina came from. Uh-huh. And there was the story of us living in the little apartment. I was writing songs, and she was working for the man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and to bring home or pay for love. Right. And, um, you know, I, I'm so happy that, you know, she's still in my life, and she's the godmother of oh. my kids, and, and John Bon Jovi's the godfather. Wow, that's great. So it sort of brings the whole together right together. if you're just tuning in you're listening to hit songwriter desmond child here on the mulberry lane show let's talk about the recent barbara streisand project well when i was 15 years old i saw a movie called funny girl barbara streisand just like blew me away you know just her performance Presence. and yeah. her voice and her comedic qualities and her acting in uh, funny girl there's a scene where she's on a tugboat. She had made a decision to go back to New York City and find her man and, you know, be strong in her life and all this kind of stuff. She's on the tugboat, and she passes in front of the Statue of Liberty. She's there, and she's kind of holding these flowers up almost like they were the torch. So there's the double image of the Statue of Liberty and Barbara Streisand that stayed in me since 1968, which was 50 years. And so I was asked by Barbara's A&R man, Jay Landers, a legendary, very distinguished A&R man who's made 32 albums with her. And he he said, well, will you come and write a song for Barbara? And I said, well, of course. So I spent a day with him, and he played me all the highlights of her career. And suddenly that image came up for me because she was making a, a record about her feelings about what's been going on in America. You know, the album's called Walls. Right. I sat at a piano, and Jay was, you know, watching me, and I said, what about Lady Liberty Uh as a title? And he said, I like it. I went back to Nashville and procrastinated for, you know, like three weeks, and finally I get the urgent text from Jay. He said, if your song isn't in within 
got to stop you there because when you procrastinate like that, do you feel like the back of your mind or your subconscious is working on it and you're just not ready yet? In this case, yes. Okay. Well, usually I'm co-writing, so it's like performance. It's right. like you go into the ring and you slay the, the dragon. Right. But when it's just you, it's like, well, there's no urgency, is there? <laughs> Until you there know? is. <laughs> and so I did procrastinate, but it took that deadline to get me to bring it all together. So I'd be in the car and Curtis would be talking and I'd be going, huh, huh? He said, well, pay attention to me. I said, listen, I'm working on this. Uh, I was writing the song in my head. Yep, yep. L- little bits and bits and bits and bits and bits. Right. And finally, I hadn't put a pen to paper or sat at my computer or n- nothing. And I went in and I, I got my arranger, my musical director, Clay Perry, to set up in the corner of this big space, which is my office, and I was at the acoustic piano, and within an hour, I had the song. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I went right to Clint, and I said, okay, Clay, here's how it goes. And as he was putting the track together, I'd go and, and work on the lyrics some more and go back and forth, and I got this amazing singer, Vanessa Campagna, who used to be a child star with Marvin Hamlish, and would travel with uh, Marvin Hamlish and friends. She used to sing The Way We Were and all these Streisand hits that he had written. And so she was the perfect person to sing the demo. I submitted the song. We turned it around really fast. And Jay sent me an email from Barbara that said, I like the song. That's all it said. I like the song. Uh It was like, wow. She likes the song. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's really been an, a dream come true. Right. One of the highest pinnacles in my career. I actually got a chance to co-produce it with her. Oh, wow. And so it was just me and her. I, I just i am so proud of how it turned out. We did a rehearsal day, uh-huh. which was very intense because I was teaching her how to sing the song. So she'd be singing and I'd be singing and, you know, we'd be singing together in unison. And and it was like, okay. I mean, it was better than, uh, you know, carpool karaoke. I mean, she was (laughs) singing my song. And so I'm going, okay, I'm singing with Barbara Streisand. She's right next to me. She's singing, I'm singing. We're singing together. That, you know, that thought almost made me faint. <laughs> and she would sing really quiet, you know, as she was studying the song. Uh-huh. And then suddenly she opened up and started, you know, singing full voice. Right in the beginning, there's a big, beautiful note. And I looked at Jay, and it was like goosebumps. I bet. And I started jumping around the room and, sang, and singing the Money Song, which is, you know, kind of like... Uh, my parody of Tarawa Boomdia, it's like, I'm going to be rich again. I'm going to be rich again. And, and I was jumping all around the room, and I don't know what came over me. And then she was, you know, started laughing with, you know, so hard. And so um, she felt very supported, you know, sure. by me and, and uh, trusted me. We'll stay right there. When we come back, you're going to hear more from Desmond Child, whose catalog of songs he's written has sold over 500 million copies. More behind-the-scenes stories with Desmond Child right after this. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. Lady, lady. 
from Songwriter Hall of Fame member Desmond Child. Let's jump right back in with more behind-the-scenes stories from legendary songwriter Desmond Child. Earlier in the interview, when we asked about Dude Looks Like a Lady, you had said you wished someone would record it more recently. Is that because you had sold your catalog? Well, Dude Looks Like a Lady gets a lot of airplay. You Uh know, just recurrent airplay and is used, you know, in movies and, um, you know, it's doing fine. Uh-huh. But, you know, one of the lovely things is hearing one song performed in different genres like jazz or even music or okay. classical renditions um, because then you see, well, a song is a song. It's not the arrangement. It's not even the words. Sometimes it's just instrumental and you recognize your song. Okay. I mean, that's very fulfilling mm-hmm. as an artist, you know, kind of figured out. I mean, if my career as an artist had actually taken off, I wouldn't have written all the songs I wrote. Uh, right. And if you add up all the records I've sold, I've sold more records than any one of the artists I've worked with individually. Wow. Yes. Because, yeah. you know, I spread my seed out right. there. Right. Uh-huh. And that's very fulfilling to know that there'll be a moment where everywhere in the world, somewhere, my song is playing. That's really exciting. And I also love that the songs I've collaborated on have given a lot of hope to people. Yes. Like Living on a Prayer, we got a, a letter once from a guy who said that he was getting ready to commit suicide. So he goes up to the bridge where he's going to jump off, and he pulls the car up. He doesn't even turn the car off. You know, he just jumps out, and he gets ready to jump, and he hears living on a prayer coming out of the radio in his car. Mm. So he goes, oh, well, that's my favorite song, so I'm going to go back and listen to it, and then I'll jump. By the time the modulation came, he drove home. I mean, think so, about how you changed so the Bon course. Jovi has, yes. has saved a life. Yes. Right. Bon Jovi saves lives. Yes, and you. Also, we've gotten many touching letters from people that were in hospitals that went through difficult times, that lost a loved one, and saying how, like, that particular song made them keep going. Yeah. Is that and, the song um, you're most proud of? Yes, I, I, I love that song, and I, I really love a song that I co-wrote with Hanson called Weird, and I think it's one of my best songs, and it's also very touching. It's about being different, uh-huh. and I always sing it in my show. I started performing again. Well, not even again, because I used to perform with Desmond Child and Rouge back in 79, but I never had a solo show ever in my entire life, and last March, I did one at Feinstein's 54 Below to sold-out audiences for three nights, wow. and I'm coming back to New York in February to American Songbook series at Lincoln Center. Okay. It's a very prestigious night. They're very selective about the songwriters, you know, usually mm-hmm. ones that have had very long careers, that it features their music for the entire evening, and I'm coming mm-hmm. to do that February 16th. Awesome. 
I have a question about your performances now. You have written, you know, with or songs for these artists, and they have performed them in their own way. So when they come back to you and you're doing them, do you do it how you envision it, or do you try to sound like the artist that made it a hit? Well, in my show, there are songs that are true to the original arrangements, and then there are songs that, you know, I interpret in my own way. You know, some songs just can't be done any differently. Okay. I have this wonderful singer, Justin Benlolo, who uh, sings with me, and he's 21 years old. He's Canadian, and he he can sing those Bon Jovi, Aerosmith, and Kiss songs. Okay. Like, just he he does his own thing with it. But um, it was funny. I was honored with the ASCAP Foundation Award last spring. It was such a wonderful. Uh, It's the highest prize of ASCAP, you know, the Founders Award of ASCAP. Yeah. I was surprised by Alice Cooper, who opened my segment. I didn't know that he was there to perform, and he sang Poison. And then uh, Justin did a medley of three songs and ended with I Was Made for Loving You. Okay. You know, I Was Made for Loving You has a section where Paul sings, like, really high in falsetto, Uh like right before the last chorus. And um, Justin is singing it, and then we surprised him because Paul was in the wings getting ready to do my presentation speech. And uh, Justin turns and sees Paul Stanley, (laughs) and, uh, you know, just like his face was, like, priceless. And um, he's singing like this, and, like, now the audience can see that Paul's, like, standing there listening to him sing those high notes, and he goes up to the mic and, and says... Well, I'm glad one of us can still sing those notes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Awesome. Legendary songwriter Desmond Child here on the Mulberry Lane Show talking about everything songwriting. It's got to be amazing for you, though, you know, performing these songs to kind of see the audience reactions and see, you know, how you've touched people. One of my greatest thrills is going to a Bon Jovi concert. Living on a Prayer is undoubtedly, you know, most powerful song in the set. So he always makes it the last song of the last encore. Uh-huh. So no one will leave right. without hearing that song. So there are families there with kids, like, asleep on their shoulders, standing there. Like, could be like 1130 at night, midnight. And finally, you know, he comes out and starts playing Living on a Prayer, and people go crazy, and they're singing along so loud you can't even hear the band they're screaming it out like their lives depend on it and i just look around you know and fifty thousand people all singing the song that i helped to write it's just so exciting and you see little kids singing it and you see people with white hair singing it yes it's amazing yeah Well, you're living on a prayer right here on the Mulberry Lane Show with Desmond Child, songwriter extraordinaire. Final segment with Desmond right after this. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show.
the songs. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. If you've been with us this whole show, you've been hearing from legendary songwriter and songwriter Hall of Famer Desmond Child. He's written or co-written the songs from the soundtrack of your life. So here's the final segment with songwriter Desmond Child. Okay, so I want to wrap this up with, you spoke earlier about your mom and how she was a songwriter and, you know, what she did really seeped into you growing up. And you co-founded the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame. The statuette of her is the award that you give out to the inductees and the honorees. So talk about that. I just think that's an amazing... Such a beautiful tribute to your mom. To your mother. When I was just born, my mom had a friend who was a sculptress. Her name was Lee Burnham. Okay. And she did a little clay sculpture of my mother playing guitar. It's so fragile, but it has endured so many moves, so many possibilities that could have shattered a million times, but it kind of always stayed together. So I always kept it with me. After my mother passed, I felt like I wanted to do something to honor her life, her music, her career. I just felt that women, especially in the Latin field, have a very difficult time making it, especially being an immigrant coming to this country from Cuba, where she never really mastered English. That's why she had to do, you know, the jobs that immigrants do, cleaning houses and and working at at fast food, just struggling from, you know, part-time job to part-time job, whatever she could do. And so I felt like I wanted to establish an award to young female songwriters to encourage them to reach for the top and eventually become inductees. So we've had just a gorgeous array of of performers win the La Musa Elena Casals Award Uh at the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame. And we have an incredible gala and it's called La Musa Awards. Mm-hmm. And La Musa is the name of my mother's sculpture, the muse. Okay. The award show is named after her kind of moniker, La Musa. And is the statuette designed like her playing Yes, game? yes. And international sculptor Alan LaCroix, who's based in Nashville, re-sculpted the, the little statuette to be our prize. Oh. And it's one of the most beautiful awards ever. It weighs like 14 pounds. I mean, it's very beautiful bronze. It's museum quality. And so that's our statuette. There's a silver one for the inductees, and then there's a bronze one for the honorees. And uh, we just had our awards October 18th, it was, and it was very stunning. It's at the James L. Knight Center. There were 400 seated guests for dinner. Uh-huh. for the show, and there were about 900 general audience members and fans that were in the wow. seats above. It's sort of like the Golden Globe setup, right. where there's a live audience as well as the people sitting at the uh-huh. tables. And it's very uh, elegant, and everyone's dressed in their finery. They take it very seriously. It's really the um, kind of Nobel Prize of Latin music. That's amazing. Awesome. And your mom lives on through all these songwriters. She does, and it's so wonderful to hear her name up on the stage, you yes. know, repeated several times. Wow. And to, in our stage set, we have a giant size Musa that's at the center, you know, at the back and surrounded by a 35-piece orchestra. Uh-huh. And so she gets to play in the band. What and a that great always son you are. 
Well, you know, I owe everything to her because that's where I got my talent and also understood. I mean, she was a great person, and she was very generous. I mean, if she had $20, she spent $20. Mm-hmm. She'd take everybody out to eat. She never thought about money. All she thought about were her songs. In fact, a few weeks before she passed away, she changed a word in one of her poems that made like a huge difference. It took her like a lifetime to get to that moment, and she changed one word in this poem that she wrote called My Cardboard Boxes, and it talks about, you know, her facing death. It it was just like, that's a true artist. Right. What was the word that she changed? Well, in Spanish, it talks about the cardboard boxes, and it says, Mis cajas de cartón escondidas. That's what the original was, which means hidden. And she changed it to carcomidas, which means worm-eaten and crumbling. There's not an equivalent, like, single word in, okay. in English that means the same thing. But it kind of uh, gave just the tone of the poem, just a kind of like a, a sadness about, you know, how time goes by and that everything that we saved in our lives, you know, eventually fades. It had, like, so much depth that was very existential. You know, being born to a true artist, their only focus was expressing themselves. That's different than somebody who's an artist because they think they're cute enough to be one and want to hang with, you know, (laughs) the Kardashians and and be famous or something. Right. It's an inner artist. And she she was an artist to the very, very end. Which, like you said, yes. that's a true artist. Changing that word was kind of her farewell, in a way. It was, and it was, it was kind of showing you, look to your last breath, be an artist. I think that's a beautiful message to end this interview on. And my sister has tears in her eyes, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we appreciate your time and sharing your heart with us. We really enjoyed this interview with you. Thank you so much, and um, I wish you all the best. Next year, I'm going to have my autobiography out. It's going to be called Living on a Prayer, Big Songs, Big Life, co-written with David Ritz, who's one of the most distinguished co-authors of music biographies. Okay, you're going to have to promise to come back to talk about the autobiography next year on the show. Okay, I will. Thank you. Desmond Child here on the Mulberry Lane Show. brings us to the end of another Mulberry Lane show. We hope you enjoyed your time with Desmond Child. He was the featured guest throughout the whole show today because we felt you would really love getting up close and personal with such a mega talent. And Desmond, thanks for spending so much time with us, opening your heart, your life, and your creativity to these girls from Nebraska and our Midwest audience. Loved hanging out with you, Desmond. 
And that brings us to the end of another Mulberry Lane show. But before we let you go, we have to make sure that you know that you're personally invited to our Christmas Eve concert, an hour of acapella music, all in harmony by Mulberry Lane on Monday, December 24th, Christmas Eve. It's at the downtown church in Omaha, St. Mary Magdalene. We start singing at 11 p.m. It goes to 12 o'clock midnight. At that time, Midnight Mass follows. Any denomination is invited to the concert, and it's free. We'd love to see you there, and we'd love to share with you some of our favorite Christmas songs and that warmth and love that comes from Harmony on Christmas. Couldn't have said it any better. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. I take my skis to Colorado. They got the mountains and the powder packs, powdery snow. I take my suntan lotion to Florida. And sit in the sun, sipping rum on the boat. I take my music to California or maybe New York to sing my song. But I take my Christmas to Nebraska. Cause that's where I